0: Welcome to Challenging Christianity. I'm your host, Rebecca Kinnestrand. Do you consider yourself spiritual but non religious, agnostic, or maybe you grew up in a church but don't believe what you were taught there anymore? This podcast exists in that space between all in or all out religion. Join us in asking questions that challenge the notions of Christianity. Welcome to Challenging Christianity, I'm Rebecca Kinnestrand. Daniel Dadashi is next to me, we're your hosts for the podcast, and we have Pastor Mary Alice in house.
1: It's her first time on the podcast. I love it,
0: I'm so glad you're here. So we have her especially in the house because um, I want to hear her story. I've heard only bits and pieces of your particular story and your religious background and the things that have happened, but you became
1: a pastor much later in life. Which I I think of a pastor, I think of a typical pastor story, raised in a church, perfect attendance in Sunday school, (laughs) loved church, always around, knew all the hymns, right after college you go straight into seminary, you become a pastor, you get sent out into the world at 25, do your thing, pastoring for 30 years, Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. but that is not your story. And I also have an odd story of coming to this church, you know, a little bit of roundabout and so on. So I'm really curious. And so my first question to you is if you could just tell us the story of your background and how you came to where you are now on a spiritual path. Well, I'll do my best. Yeah, <laughs> in 30 seconds or less. Now we got a lot of time. No, we got um, well, time. I'll
2: tell you that uh, um, I was born in Flint, Michigan. And Flint. I'm Flint. Okay. Which is a good place to be from. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my mother particularly was, is, is the daughter of two immigrants from Northern Netherlands, okay. which is a Calvinist part of the Netherlands, mm-hmm. the southern part is Catholic. And uh, so she was raised in Western Michigan in a Dutch community where she spent all day at church in Dutch. Wow. And was raised in a very Calvinistic, uh, what I call, it then theology.
0: Now, what year would this have been?
2: This would have been my mother growing up or my. Your mother growing uh, up? She grew up in the 19. She was born in 19, 1912. Okay. So she was growing up uh, kind of during World War One, and, you know, the 20s and that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, so uh, we moved out to Washington after my dad had been stationed at Fort Lewis during the war. Mm-hmm. And he was thinking, Flint or the Northwest? Mm-hmm. And so we moved out here. Uh, in the late 40s. So I was raised and my mother had always been told that uh, if you can't find a Dutch Reformed church, uh, go to the Presbyterian church. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, so, and this was a very strict Presbyterian Mm -hmm. church. So we attended the Presbyterian church in Sumner where I grew up. It was expected that we go to Sunday school every morning, Mm -hmm. uh, Sunday morning. And then uh, my brothers and I would walk to the Presbyterian church and then my parents would join us for the 11 o'clock service. The theology was very, what I call now, if-then. If you check the boxes, then you go to heaven. And God is watching you, and uh, anytime you do anything that is evil or not in keeping with the very strict if-then theology, um, you are damned. Mm. And it's a very angry God. Mm. And uh, so we went to a church though every Sunday.
0: But you're going to fail because you're human. You're- yeah, but so, that was
2: you know, nevertheless. Was you were there any too-
0: forgiveness in.
2: Uh, not that I ever heard. heard. Mm. There was never any grace, mm. what we call grace today. And uh, so you just, and we were expected to kneel by the bedside and pray every night for forgive, you know, maybe for forgiveness, but it was not the emphasis at all. Mm. So, and then in the evening on Sundays we go to Westminster Fellowship and, uh, you know, so we were really inundated in this. Uh, and so that was throughout my uh, growing up. Early it was that kind mm-hmm. Early life, and uh, Sundays were spent uh, going to church, having Sunday dinner, and then uh, maybe going on a picnic or I, you know, a walk, but you weren't allowed to do anything entertaining, mm, um, interesting, because that was
0: just simply not following the Sabbath. That reminds me of Little House on the Prairie because in the early books they talk about Sunday. Laura said I couldn't, I couldn't laugh or shout or play. I could play quietly with my dolls, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I had to sit. And she got so antsy as a little girl, and one time she you know, did something with her daughter. There's a whole story about how very solemn of occasion Sunday was. It's
2: it's the holy day. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: uh, so that's how I grew up. And uh, when I left for college um, in Pullman, I went to Washington State University, um, it was sort of like being freed, Mm you know, because you don't have to go to church every Sunday. As it happened, I became the sort of, nanny for the Congregational Minister's family. Uh, they had three children and I babysat for them and I was a little bit introduced to something uh, a little more liberal uh, or what I call more forgiving, mm. but it was still pretty much the same service Of um, that wasn't too, too interesting, if you know what I mean,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and uh, so that was kind of a more a little more um, acceptable kind of theology, but still, I was not really taken by it. And after I left Washington State and was no longer um, uh, to, to helping with their children, I, I didn't go to church here. Uh, when I got my teaching job at Redmond High School, and uh, just Sundays were just a day to grade papers and uh, you know maybe go out and enjoy yourself.
0: Now, how did that sit with your family?
2: Oh, my mother was not happy. Mm-hmm. Not not happy. Uh, to give you a taste, the thing my mother used to say, the only thing worse than coming home and saying you were marrying a person of another race would be to say you're marrying a Catholic. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, wow, those uh, are two... <laughs> Interesting choices, right? Yes, right Mm. exactly.
2: So that kind of gives you the tone.
0: Yeah, Um, but
2: she was a good woman But that's Mm -hmm. just how she had been raised. Mm -hmm. Yes So anyway, uh, I was totally unchurched for many years and It just wasn't something that I really thought too much about after my husband died I I was camping with my brothers up at No, was your
0: husband of any religion? He'd been uh,
2: raised Church of England and then had sort of toyed with the Unitarians, but not not so much. Mm -hmm. Um, Sort of believed in the social gospel, if you know what I mean, but but not church. And so we didn't go to church. But after he died, uh, I was camping with my brothers at sunrise and- um, That's on Mount Rainier, everyone. Yes, and uh, (laughs) uh, so we were up there and my I, we'd driven up there and I decided I wanted to walk back to the campground and having the only one of my two, three siblings with like my own knees the other <laughs> chose, chose to drive. So as I was walking, it was a beautiful day, you know, the flowers were out and it was just gorgeous and there was nobody around and I turned the corner and all of a sudden I was engulfed in this feeling of all I can describe as extraordinary love. Hmm. It was very strange, so I sat down on a log, and I just sort of, what? What is all this? You know, this is really weird. But it was a sort of a heavenly feeling, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's what Marcus Borg calls thin places.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, so after a while, I thought, well, I you know can't stay here because my brothers will think I've been eating my bear or something. So I walk and I walked around the corner, and it vanished. Wow.
0: Hmm. And so I'm not I th- sure I would not I would have left.
2: Well, it was hard, <laughs> but you know, yeah. I was thinking, well, I can't just stay here. <laughs> you know, I mean, my brothers will think, you know, yeah. what's, what's happened to our sister? Wow. So, but anyway, so that got me kind of thinking, well, maybe I should kind of rethink this religion thing.
0: So at that moment when you were watching this love, did you feel like, wow, this is a spiritual? Oh, very much so. This is out of the world.
2: Yes, very okay. much so very much so. And uh, so I decided that I would start, you know, shopping around. Mm. And so I went to a Unitarian church, University Unitarian, for a bit. Um, But I found that, uh, and I don't want to, you know, to be critical of Unitarians, but it didn't have the kind of spiritual peace I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And so then I went to another uh, Protestant church, and um, it was too much like my church that I was raised in Mm -hmm. and uh, so I had sort of given up. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I was uh, very much involved in uh, Kirkland neighborhood politics, if you will, Mm -hmm. uh, along with another woman that helped organize the neighborhood associations in Kirkland with the idea that we would be helping them to establish a sense of community as they got to know their neighbors and they would work to enhance their neighborhoods. And so as part of that, I was invited to be part of a discussion group that met every month and was made up of disparate members uh, of the community. And uh, Pastor Mike was kind of the faith community guy mm. uh, in that group, and so I had met him. And uh, I know that uh, uh, when he had, uh, was celebrating his 20th anniversary here, uh, I went to that service. Uh, sat in the back, that was before the remodel, sat in the back, and I did not go up for communion because my mother had said, unless you believe word for word, literally, the Apostles Creed, you are not eligible to take communion. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, you know, best, and best not. <laughs> and uh, so I didn't, and then um, so this continued. After a while, um, I was being recruited, I was on the city council, and I was, mm-hmm. I was participating in city government because I really believe you need to get back to your community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to help make your community a better place. Mm-hmm. And you can't just sit and complain, but that's how you are. And I was a government teacher, so I really pressed on this participation. and You have to be a participating citizen so i was being i was uh, after my husband died i was recruited and i I was elected to the city council where i served two terms and also represented the east side on the sound transit board and some other things Mm. and uh, after i decided i was not going to run again that was an interesting experience too because i'd sort of decided not to and i was sitting there reading yet another packet for a city council meeting and i had this feeling wash over me that it just said you are so done with this. Yeah. When I was being recruited to run for the State Senate, uh, Pastor Mike invited me for lunch. I explained to him all, and then I didn't know why, and it was turned out he wanted to encourage me to run for the State Senate. Uh-huh. And I explained to him all the reasons why <laughs> that would not be a good idea. Uh, so then he said uh, something like, Mary Alice, you need to come to Holy Spirit. Huh. So I thought, well, I don't know anything about Lutherans. But yeah. why not? <laughs> and so I, I came, it happened to be rally Sunday. Oh. And so he marched me right over to Vicki Newland. Hey, that's social, my aunt. Yes, <laughs> right at the social justice table. And uh, I had been mayor when Tent City first came to Kirkland. Mm-hmm. And we have the most open and welcoming Tent City ordinance on the east side.
0: Oh, well, the Tent City, for those who aren't from the area or don't know, is... Um, A collection of folks who are homeless Mm -hmm. and they live in tents and they are housed usually within um, church grounds and they Mm -hmm. have to move um, about what every three months or so every 90 days every 90 days they need to move and we've housed them here and they've been housed at other places I also want to make a quick note that we're right next to the preschool so that kids yelling and having a good time there that's that's that noise but it just adds to the joy of the podcast
2: So I, came, so I got on the social justice committee and became active, and before I knew it, I was on the church council. And before I knew that, it was president of the church council. <laughs> and you know I was really having a great time here. And one of the things that happened to me was I started taking crossways. And this is where the real transformation began for me. Because when I was listening to crossways and hearing the narrative metaphor, interpretation of the Bible, and uh, understood that there were contradictions in the Bible. I didn't even know there were two blood stories or two creation stories. I mean, I was really ignorant because... So tell us what Crossways is. Crossways is a two-year Bible study class taught by uh, Pastor Mike and has been for 30 years, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and you just go through the Bible and you show up on Wednesday nights for an hour and a half and you take a look at a book of the Bible and by the end of two years, you've read the whole thing.
0: Uh huh. And, and, um, and Different interpretation. And a very different
2: interpretation, mm-hmm. a very loving, caring God. Uh, and also the Lutheran interpretation that you're saved by, by grace through faith. Mm. And I mean, that was extraordinarily new to me. <laughs> and it's not it's not an if then it's a because therefore which means what which means that because you are loved by god in such a meaningful and total and unconditional way therefore you will respond in your life to others with that unconditional love and you will care for each other and you know that your god is always with you and mm. that you're never alone mm. uh so the theology of the cross where uh, You know, in in your darkest, deepest moments, God is there with you and and suffering with you and caring about you. Mm -hmm. And that kind of theology was was just astonishing to me.
0: Mm -hmm. And
2: this was something I could really, really uh, relate to.
0: Mm -hmm. Had you had those feelings before? Because I can say that I had had all these thoughts and different interpretations. I also grew up in a, in a if-then, mm-hmm. you know, if you do this, then you get to be saved kind of thing. If you don't, then you're not. <laughs> I But I had had the because-therefore thoughts. It just mm-hmm. hadn't been solidified in any kind of theology that had ever been presented to me.
2: I guess I did in a way, but I didn't put it in those terms, the because-therefore. No. Uh and back in, I think it was like 1960, Edward R. Murrow used to have a, a TV program, program called See It Now, mm-hmm. and he did a program on migrant workers called Harvest of Shame mm-hmm. that, that actually was televised on Thanksgiving Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I watched that and watched the migrant, how migrant workers were treated in our country. And it was, it was transformative for me in a way because I thought, how in this country? Where we have all this abundance, do we have people living in these conditions, which mm-hmm. were just horrible? Which was one reason why, um, after I graduated from college, I joined Vista, uh, Volunteers in Service to America, and spent uh, time in the minor, migrant camps in uh, in Central Florida, mm-hmm. uh, because you know you have to you have to do something to change this, and you do this by kind of gaining experience. Mm-hmm. So that had been of transformative for me. Sort of a well. Grapes
0: of Wrath. Uh, very much you know, so. Grapes of Wrath, which by the
2: way, we used to show at uh, in my uh, history class. We mm-hmm. used to show Grapes of Wrath because uh, we thought that our students needed to see what this was all about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you've taken crossways, mm-hmm. you're looking at your theology in a different way, mm-hmm. Where, how do you end up in seminary? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, when I was growing up, women could not be pastors. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even within my peripheral vision.
0: Fantastic. Uh, because,
2: <laughs> you know, one day I'm st- I, I finished my city council uh, stint, stint mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sort of just trying to think about what to do next. And mm-hmm. I, I'm standing in the fellowship hall, and I hear a voice saying, you know, Mary Alice, you should go to seminary.
0: What? Who said that? <coughs>
2: Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike. And so I said, uh, people... Don't... For a
1: moment, I thought it was
2: the voice of God. I know, I was like, a
0: voice <laughs> said. It was another thin space. Yes, you know, well, was <laughs> so did work. he say, I mean, you did you go to one crossways? I know you. Other... when I took it, you were still going, you were doing it again. I was, I
2: was doing it again and again, it because again. every time I found a different... A, a different uh, insight. Mm-hmm. And I started reading a lot of theological. I re- was reading all of Marcus Borg and other uh, th- more uh, liberal theologians, and I just found it fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, as a former history teacher of theology, and the history of theology is also fascinating yeah. and uh, a good background. So, uh, and my response was people don't go to seminary when they're 68.
1: <laughs> right. Did, did he have a comeback for that? Or? <laughs> oh,
2: he did indeed. Uh, and the comeback was, well, what do you mean? Most pastors don't last five to ten years. You'll, you'll, you'll have plenty of time to serve as a pastor.
0: <laughs> oh, really? Oh, well, that's an interesting factoid that I didn't know. Int- else, kinda it's kinda almost like- worse than
1: youth ministers. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's less education for youth ministers. Yeah, there's less at stake when we leave after a year and a half. That's
2: well, true. It's not too surprising because most teachers don't last more than five years, right. so it's very... you know, sometimes you just find out that it's not what you're meant to be doing. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about the Lutheran Church that I, I really appeals to me is the liturgy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. the sort of sense, and I've done that when I've traveled abroad and you go to a Lutheran Church or another part of the country, you go to a Lutheran Church and you have the, the liturgy and you just sort of feel at home. Mm. Yeah, here's where I am. This is a liturgy, and uh, you start with confession and forgiveness.
1: uh, Yeah, so the liturgy is the the order of worship, the things that are said and sung in worship. It tends to be the piece that is and doesn't change that
0: much. You have certain pieces that come Mm -hmm. one after the other, and you can count on it Mm -hmm. being there, which is so nice to hear you say that you just feel like so at home with that. A lot of people are like, oh, this again, this Mm -hmm. is like, you know, let me change it up or
1: something. It's almost like the program at a wedding when you're mm-hmm. following along. Um, and if you went to enough weddings, you wouldn't need the program anymore. And that's <laughs> right. kind of how liturgy is. It's mm-hmm. the same thing each time. And if you go enough, it becomes kind of written in your heart and you no longer really need to follow along. You know what's coming next. Yeah,
2: that's a very good description of it. And it's very comforting and it's relaxing. And you, know, you start out with forgiveness and, and confession. And, it's, and I just think it sort of establishes a, a kind of wonderful beginning to the new week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sort of in the music, I think one thing I really appreciate about, appreciate about Lutherans is they love to sing. Mm -hmm. Um, My home church that I grew up in, not so much. And uh, so, and I
0: just the music is just is just wonderful. Can I just um, interject a little bit because I'd like to understand? So you went through this very large process, Mm -hmm. and I'm just wondering how, what were the pain points in that, you know, and how did you move through those pain points? Because when I had to relinquish. My identity, sort of as a Catholic, it was painful. It still is in a way. I still kind of don't in a way, um, because you can't relinquish everything about you know it's it's in me, it's part of my being. and so I just' am wondering what your pain points were and how you moved through that I think I think one of
2: my pain points have been, and that's a very insightful question. And I keep getting teased about it every once in a while. That It's my Calvinism yes. sneaking out. <laughs> uh, because I think that becomes so much a part of you. The if-then becomes such a part of you that you, you have a tendency on occasion to slip back into that. Yes. And, uh, and remind yourself, no, that's, that's not this is not who I am now. Uh, and this is not the, the God I believe in now but it kind of just tends to come out because you have this sort of drive that if I do this then if I do this, the reward then will be the yeah. reward will be and so that I, I think that's the one thing
0: um, and uh, did that happen earlier I mean because you said you're like I went off to college and I didn't go to church anymore mm-hmm. and was that that was you said it was really freeing so you had this freeing time. And then you had a spiritual sort of awakening on the mountain. And was the in-between time just, hey, I'm not part of that Dutch thing anymore? I think yeah, I think it was.
2: I mm-hmm. think it was. And uh, because I just sort of rejected that. But it's sort of, like you said, it's part of inside you that it's still part of, uh, you know, I have to do this in order to be loved
1: mm-hmm. uh, sort of wow.
2: thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because yes. it's just... Whether it's
1: by God or whoever, I suppose. Right. Um, It makes me wonder how you broke the news to all those people who'd known you for decades. That the the pastor that the Mary Alice that they knew who never went to church is becoming (laughs) a pastor at sixty eight. Hey, you couldn't become a priest, so (laughs) I have, yeah. Um I, I I I think
2: they were surprised, Mm -hmm. but I think not shocked, perhaps. Mm -hmm. The only person that was shocked, possibly, was my mother, Mm -hmm. uh, who, first of all, women can't be pastors. Mm. But she was pretty much in dementia by that time, so I'm not sure she really, truly understood that. Mm -hmm. Uh, My brother, who had become, one of my brothers who had become a Catholic.
0: Oh, my. uh,
2: Heavens.
0: right. I know. I know. Your poor mother.
2: (laughs) What did I do? I know. I know. And so, uh, he had become a Catholic. And uh, so, he always teased me and called me Catholic Light. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. And they still uh-huh. have like liturgical light, or Catholic light uh, because we're liturgical, like the Episcopalians. It is Catholic
0: light, liturgy wise. Yes, it feels right. that way. Yes. yes. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> so, um, so I think you know they just sort of uh, made me thought, really, he's now a pastor. Yeah. But uh, and, but then sometimes they treat you a little differently. I mean, it's a little you know intimidating to people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not so much if you show up uh, in your civilian clothes, but certainly if they see you in a collar, it's sort of a different experience for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I have to say that coming back, the Holy Spirit has not been an issue with that. And, uh, you know, I came back, and uh, the toughest part was to remember to call me pastor. (laughs) Do
0: you ever find, because we talked a little bit about how we're shy in this area, where there's very few churchgoers, per se, or maybe people's impression of... Christianity is from a very evangelical if then kind of theology that we don't I don't necessarily announce hey I'm Christian everybody I go to church you know Um, because I'm afraid of the connotation of that to them do you what's your experience in the world you know with with folks and you have such a diverse background you know coming from something and moving into another thing and it I always find it so complex somebody who knew me once they are like Does it bother you when somebody denigrates, you know, Christianity in front of you? And I was like, not at all. I was like, because I've been through so much journey that if they've thought about, wow, the kids are really excited coming out of preschool and they're marching down the hallway right now. They might get somewhat more silence. (laughs) This is what we're talking about, shoestringing it. Mm -hmm, We're we're literally in the conference room. We don't have a little padded wall to keep out the noise. Yeah, I'm just curious as to how you move in the world. And I said to this person who asked me if I feel offended, and I was like, no, because I'm willing to have a conversation with anybody who's really thought about it. Mm-hmm. If you're just knee-jerk reacting against some form of Christianity that you don't like or you think you don't you know about, that's fine. I get that. You know, yeah. I did that too. But if you want to have a real conversation about it, then, yeah, yeah. we can
1: do that. I don't want to be a recipient of your... your you know, clips and little sound bites. Sound bites, mm-hmm. but I'm willing to have a conversation with anyone, right?
2: Oh, I think, and that I think that's how I have responded to it. You know, people will say to me, "Aren't didn't I hear that you're you're a pastor now?" Mm-hmm. And I'll say something like, "Yes, I am. I'm a pastor in the Lutheran Church, and very uh, uh, welcoming, uh, forgiving theology." And, like you said, if you want to talk about it further, i am happy to share <laughs> Right, uh, you know, because uh, and, and it's not that you look for those opportunities, but, I, but it's also why when, um, when I go to, like, fundraising uh, auctions and things like that, I always wear a collar.
1: Mm. And I do that
2: because, first of all, it was part of my intern training, but secondly, because I think it's important that people know that church cares.
1: Mm-hmm. And when
2: you're at uh, Bridge Ministry or some of these other uh, open door, particularly where with the LBGT community, it's important they know that the church is there for them. Mm. It's why we march in the Pride Parade wearing collars. I mean, the Lutheran Church uh, in Seattle, when we show up, I mean, there are like 14, 15 Lutheran churches, and the pastors are all in collars. And it's the most extraordinary experience because a lot of the people alongside you know, watching the parade are, are, are LBGTQ and some of I mean, and I always walk alongside and shake hands, being the extrovert I am, and people will, they are crying
0: mm. and they
2: are saying, thank you so much for being here. Can I hug you? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's so meaningful to them to see churches who are reaching out to them and saying, you are a loved child of God, Mm. and when they've been so damaged and injured uh, by a community that has said, you are not, you're not viable in our society, Mm -hmm. you're not acceptable. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think that's a really important thing to share, and this is why it's so wonderful that this congregation is uh, welcoming and affirming. And reconciling in Christ, and also welcoming of the of the uh, immigrant and the refugee. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a sort of theology that you know we talk about. We're not a pyramid; we're a circle, and we talk about how we, if you see somebody standing outside that circle, you widen the circle so that you include them and make them feel like they are truly loved, and cared for, and
0: a worthy person
2: mm-hmm. in the sight of God. Mm.
0: Brilliant. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us. I kind of want to have her back and talk about that, that dig more into that inclusive theology. Um, So reader or readers, you're not reading this. (laughs) Listeners, tell us your stories. Um, Does this resonate with you? Do you have similar experiences to myself maybe or Pastor Mary Ellis or Danielle and um, let us know your thoughts on this or questions that may have cropped up in your mind as we were talking. Um, thanks for listening. Oh, wait, it's challenging challengingchristianitypodcast at gmail.com. It's exactly. A little, it's a little long, but you can do it. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye.